Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Look out. It's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a very grateful boy, and I love films. As Stuart Udell once said, cherish sunsets, wild creatures and wild places. Have a love affair with the wonder and beauty of the earth. Watch the film Shoplifters again. It's fucking beautiful. Yes, Stuart, you're exactly right. It really is. Watch it again. Nice one. Thanks. Every week I invite a special guest over. I tell them they've died. Then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Barry Jenkins, Kevin Smith, Sharon Stone and even Bed Clambles. But this week it's the amazing comedian, writer, creator, actor, producer, showrunner, everything. It's him. It's Mr. Jim Gaffigan. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein where you get an extra 20 minutes with Jim. We laugh a lot. We talk about beginnings and endings. He tells me a secret. You get the whole episode ad-free and uncut as a video and all of that stuff. Check it out over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So, Jim Gaffigan, come on. He is one of the all-time best stand-ups of all time. I've been a fan of his for years. I wanted to talk to him forever. I finally met him in LA when we had a gig together. He was fucking brilliant, as always. I was delighted to get him on the show, and I could have talked to him for hours. This was so much fun. We did it on Zoom. I think you're going to love it. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 204 of Films to be Buried With. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried With. It is I, Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today by an actor, a writer, a Grammy winner, a husband, a father, one of the greatest stand-ups of all time, a legend, a flight of the Concorder, a hot pocketer, a new special every weeker, a comedy monster, a man who has too many children and a person in his own right. Please welcome to the show. It's the incredible, the amazing, the brilliant, it's Mr. Jim Gaffigan. Thank you so much. I want to hear you introduce someone uh, like just kind of like, you know, this guy's not that impressive, really. <laughs> like, you know, he's, uh, he's, look, we got it. We needed to put out an episode and this yeah. is the guy that I, I got. You know, but like, just hang in there. I've had I've had everyone I wanted on, and this is it, and we're running low. Jim Gaffigan, you know this. I'm a massive fan of yours. Massive. I've seen you live. I came to see you live when you was in London. That's so flattering because that yeah. was many moons ago, right? It was. It was, and you were brilliant. And then I finally met you in LA. We did a gig together at the Improv. I was very very yeah. excited, and you just sat. You just sat in the bar area having dinner like a sitting yeah. duck and i thought this is mad this is mad you're about to get swarmed and it very much yeah. happened i was like this is you just you're just out there thinking it's well, okay to- but what, you were sitting there too yeah and i was like I mean, more people you're recognized mad. you get that fuck out you know what I mean? shut your shut your face anyway i got lots of things i wanted to ask you one is your new special is brilliant like all of your specials oh, what's your turnover rate what is it once every two years I've been kind of doing one a year. One a um, year, fuck. And it's all self-assignment, right? It's not like anyone's mm. saying, can you do one a year? I'm just kind of, it, there's an obsessive drive behind it. And I also feel like I get better at it. 
but then again, I'm not, you know, when I, I wrote a couple books and if I'm working on a, you know, when I was working on a show, the show I had, I wasn't doing one a year, but like, I don't know. It's like, I'm constantly touring, so I might as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. And having that kind of assignment of I'm going to uh, record something motivates me. But I always thought that you Brits, you guys do one a year, don't you? Yeah, we we do here, but yeah, it's unusual. It's unusual in for an American. Do you get? Because I do. Do you get bored of your own material? As in, is it nice to have that you're basically constantly making new stuff? Yeah, I think that there's. I mean, I'm amazed. It's not kind of what you're asking, but I'm amazed how quickly I forget it. You know, like sometimes people mm-hmm. are like, hey, can you do that? I'm like, I have no idea how what I did. But I do get a little bored of it. Yeah, I think also there's a there's a general fatigue around the point of view. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, that's why I always kind of find it funny when people are like, oh, you're the clean comedian. It's like, well, it's not the first time I'm saying this. And I've hopefully rewritten it a little bit. So maybe I can find a better adjective than fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, so that's one of those things where, you know, you rewrite it. But like, even there's a fatigue around the point of view. Yes, that's very interesting. Yeah, sometimes you're like, I just don't feel this anymore, this thing. Yeah. You're also one of the very few comedians who writes with your wife, or at least credits that. Yeah. Which is, I don't think anyone else has ever done that. Yeah, I mean, it varies the the level of collaboration. Mm -hmm. You know, she had a brain tumor about four years ago, and then she wrote a book, and so... We have five kids. So, like, the level of collaboration has shifted dramatically. Like, when we were first dating, she used to go to every show with me. Really? And definitely my second special, I remember waking her up, and she had, like, a baby that was breastfeeding. And I was like, tell me some more. What else can we say about bacon? But, like, it shifts. Now it's it's maybe more of an editorial role. But I do think that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's important to acknowledge her influence. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, even though stand-up is very much this solitary act, it's good to have this collaborative input. You know, I mean, and I'm much more, I, I come up with material much more talking with someone. Yeah, so I'm hoping exactly. that we can come up with some material here. Okay. You know what I mean? We'll start the clock. Let's see how we get on. Yeah. What? One other thing, and maybe maybe you've talked about this a lot. I just don't understand the logistics of it. You have five yeah. children. Yeah, that is too many. It's children. Too much. It's way too much. And then you and your wife wrote, produced, directed, made, acted a entire sitcom for two years that was about a couple with five children. At what point were you raising your children? <laughs> How does it work? Yeah, no, that's that's why we stopped doing it. It was right. just. <laughs> It kind of defeated the point, uh, you know. It. I mean, we were there. I mean, my wife's much more tireless than me. Mm. But, yeah, it was too hard. Uh, you know, as somebody who writes and acts, it's like mm. having two hats on is really difficult. But then, I mean, there's nothing more exhausting than parenting. If you're involved, you know what I mean? Like when I'm on, when I'm shooting something in L.A., yeah. it's like a vacation. You know what I mean? Like, people are like, oh, I'm so exhausted. I'm like, this is great. I'm going to bed at 8 o'clock. This is amazing. Because when you're home, kids don't go to sleep. What's the age range? What's the oldest and the youngest? The youngest is 9 and the oldest is 18. So it's... hell, man. Yeah, it's crazy. And they're all different. It's really Mm. annoying. You know what I mean? They're like individual humans. It's really... And they all have their own problems mm-hmm. and you know they're not like a friend that you're like you know what i don't feel like meeting for lunch you can't do that with a kid you have to be like all right i guess i'm like you're a dad 24 7 it's really yeah it's i don't recommend it it's too hard <laughs> who's your favorite i you know i'm being completely honest i you know i definitely have lesser favorites but i kind of <laughs> make a point of making them each feel special. Like I have one kid as my screensaver on my phone. 
you know, it's one of those things where you don't want you don't want any of them in a therapist's office saying my dad didn't like me. Yeah, but aren't the four kids that aren't your screensaver thinking, well, yes, we're the lesser favorite. But like this is this is my uh, Katie, my thirteen year old, and mm-hmm. she's the middle child. Right. So I'm kind of like, uh oh. All right. right. At least, you know, there's simple things. It's you're like, you're, you're, my, you're my screensaver. And then my youngest kind of looks like me. So he's like my mini me. And then my second youngest is like an athlete. So I play catch with him a lot. And then okay. my 16 year old is really funny. So I talk about comedy. And then my 18 year old, she's like an angel. She's perfect. She's the mm-hmm. social justice warrior. You know, I think of myself as a progressive, but like she's, you know, she's like, you shouldn't say that. And I'm like, all right, I've learned more from her than she's probably learned from me. That's nice. I always ask people this. I'm sort of collecting the data. You've got five kids, so it's a good, yeah, good test. How much do you think they came out, they were born the way they are? Huge thing. I mean, that's, yeah. it's, it's nature or nurture, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's nature. I, I really think it is. Yeah. I think nurture is obviously important because, by the way, there's particularly with teenagers, you see them, they develop their own interpretation of facts, of, of history. So I have one kid that views parenting as we made these mistakes and another kid. I mean, he's really funny, but like, you know, like my oldest was born an adult and my second oldest is like dude you got to get it together (laughs) and i don't know when and some of that's you know i think boys mature later he's Mm -hmm. very funny he's very smart he's a great kid but i don't know you know what i mean it's like and that's where it's they've both been raised in the same family but they're completely different so i think it is it's nature well and i i always think you know, uh, my my theory on siblings is your siblings shape you possibly more in terms of when I think of me and my sister, my sister and I are very, very close, but I think we're very close and we're completely different. And I think we're completely different in relation to each other. Like I went the opposite way that she went on purpose to be different. Do you know what I mean? And if you have yeah. five, five, I don't know, the, the dynamics of that, I can't get my head around. Yeah, no, I, you know, I'm one of six kids, one of four brothers. And in my family, I'm considered, the joke is that I'm third funniest. <laughs> but like the, the, the ambition or the audacity to get on stage, hmm. my brothers who are very funny did not have it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or, you know, didn't want to embrace the humiliation. You know what I mean? Because that's <laughs> really what much, it came down to. They had too much self-esteem. That's what happened. Yeah. They were comfortable so. with themselves. Disgusting. Yes. Oh, Jim Gaffigan. Oh, fuck. I've forgotten to tell you something. Yeah. You're dead. Yes, I did die. Yeah. What a relief, right? Right? Oh. It's just too much going yeah. on. For, yeah. You know what I mean? It's... You like rest and stuff. Do you worry about death? You know, I do kind of assume that every ache and pain is a tumor. But, uh, you know, there is part of me that's like, let's just wrap it up. I guess I kind of, uh, you know what I mean? I don't want to mess up my kids. That's the only thing. Yeah, That's the thing. Like when someone has a kid, another comedian, when a comedian has a kid, I always give them shit. I'm like, looks like suicide's off the table now. Sorry, buddy. You know what I mean? You can't do that to a kid. <laughs> it's so dark. But uh, so, um, I mean, it's weird. I feel like during most of my 20s, I thought I won't make it to 30. Like I just maybe it was a romanticized narcissism or something. I'm like, I'm not made for this world. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I feel like I'm a little bit on borrowed time. I, I also what's great is I'm glad that we don't see how people react when we die. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because like the outpouring of love for uh you even see it on Twitter. You're like, oh, so that person died, and so they're trending. And then there's, I have a friend who died who wasn't trending. You know what I mean? And it's like, you're like, <laughs> that's the weird entertainment industry. You're like, well, I guess oh I hope God. I trend. Oh, my it's God. It's so ridiculous, right? That's so sad. Yeah. You, you also want to have a good impact on people. Mm-hmm. 
Like if you, when you die, you want people to feel bad. Like if people, if you died and people didn't feel bad, that'd be kind of brutal. Yeah, you don't want a giant sigh of relief when yeah. your death is announced. I guess. Yeah, you don't want it to be like yeah. So it's weird. I just want it over quick. I just want it over quick. Do you care about uh, like? Do you ever think about? a legacy in terms of your work or the things you've done? Do you think of them like, I hope these survive me and become, or is it all just you're on a treadmill, nothing matters? I guess I would like it if my uh, material would live on. But I've also been in this business long enough that I realize it's just everyone's so disposable. Do you know what I mean? Like there's Mm -hmm. like Carlin... And then everyone else. Do you know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. So it's also every decade, kind of the everything changes so mm. much. And I kind of pride myself on my material, hopefully being evergreen. But mm. I think it's weird how people love, you know, comedians that have passed away. And then you watch some of their stuff and you're like, well, that's really just hateful. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, the, in between those great observations, there's just hateful, just kind of like emotion pulling strings mm. because making someone laugh or angry is it's kind of close to each other. That's interesting. I've never heard it that way. Angry, making them laugh and making them angry is the same, you think? Yeah, that's why when you watch someone do, I mean, I nerd out on some of this uh, performance sure. stuff, but there's the, the clowns. Mm-hmm. There's the preacher, and you know the preacher uh, comic is similar to. It's kind of like running a union hall. It's just kind of like the people that get applause breaks. It's like I'm against racism, and people are yeah. like, "Yeah, I guess I am too." You know what I mean? Like, yeah. who is it? Um, so I don't know. I've never had anger, anger and laughter is the same. I thought it was a release from your anger, right? It's like mm. anger, shock laugh yeah you know shock and laugh you know is it just because we're in comedy that i think this because it might be just true of everything but it does feel like comedy is the thing that dates the most in terms of you you look at dramas from the past and they're probably yeah. hold up better than comedies for so many comedies are like oh boy is that wrong i don't yeah. know maybe that's true no, no, I think you're I think the concept of liberty keeps shifting. So mm. people that pedal in irreverence or shock, yeah, that keeps moving. So like That's true. What was irreverent or how you got a reaction in the seventies or nineties shifts so much. Like I remember like I remember in the late nineties or maybe it was the early two thousands where like at least in New York, comics were giving this self-assignment like they were going to do a joke with the N-word. And I'm going, what are you guys doing? <laughs> but it was – and it wasn't malicious. It wasn't even um, – mm. it was just kind of a self-assignment that they gave themselves because it was a taboo to break, right? Yeah. And, of course, I'm talking about white comics. You know what I mean? <laughs> so – but it's weird. I think what's interesting about stand-up also, even comedy movies – is often, you know, like we know about like um, some of these John Hughes ones that are mm. problematic, but like even movies from the 90s or the early 2000s, yeah, they don't age that well. Do you no, know what I mean? they don't. And there's stuff that's this the thing I'm always fascinated by, and I'm sure I've said this once on this podcast, said, forgive me if you've heard me say something like this before, but e.g. the film American Pie, which I loved at the time, and I think there's so much lovely stuff in it, and it's actually quite a sweet film. It does, however, have this whole section where a camera is set up in the room and they're filming this girl who doesn't know she's being filmed, and you know what I mean? Like, there's this whole kind of almost revenge porn aspect going on that at the time, no one questioned it. It was sort of like it was fun and sexy, and now you go, Jesus Christ, that's horrible, but what happened? (laughs) How come we didn't know it was horrible? Do you know what I mean? How come culturally we uh, consciousness expanded? Something happened. But it seems wild yeah. that there was this period of time where when that film first came out, as far as I could tell, no one was going, Jesus, there's this terrible sequence in it. There, This happens. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, there probably 
Maybe there it was. probably was someone that brought that up, mm. but people were like, "You're you're getting in the way of the comedy." You know what yeah. I mean? It's just enjoy it. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's I mean, you know, I, my parents were you know what we were considered progressive for their time in the Midwest or part of the United States, but like you know, by today's standards, they were pretty behind the times. You know, it keeps yeah. shifting. So you know, even like you see clips of like. Biden and Obama's being against marriage equality. And you're like, that's, I mean, it's so weird, but it wasn't that long ago. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's just, yeah. it's, it's pretty weird. That, weird. And, and I'm sure that there's stuff in my act that in 20 years, I'm going to be like, yikes. I mean, there, you there, know, you know there, I'm sure there is. Do you think there's an afterlife? <sighs> Gosh, you know, I, it depends when you, you catch me. I would say probably, I don't know. It's like, it's weird because like in some ways it's like the practical mind is like, no, there's not. Do you know what I mean? But like this concept of, you know, like when you're in the deep, you know, like there's no atheist in a foxhole, you know, it's like humans are pretty much scaredy cats. Hmm. So like if I was about to die, I probably would say there is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or if I was... Uh, you know, next to a, a you know a person who was going to pass, I probably would say there was. Do you know mm. what I mean? So I just don't want to be dishonest. Oh, I didn't ask you how you died. How did you die? I died in a plane uh, exploding. Wow, on the on the runway yeah. or in the air? in the air in the air because <laughs> you don't want to be in a plane crash. You don't want that that time going down. That's brutal. Mm. It, what, what happened? A bird getting the engine or something? No, somebody was using their phone up there and that caused it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Somebody yeah, had no, their I've chair, like, mm. you know, there's different rules up there. Like somebody yeah. didn't have their seatbelt on when the fastened seatbelt <laughs> sign was on. I don't know what caused it, but. Yeah. Okay. I got news for you. There is yeah. a heaven, just okay. like you thought when you were. Uh, worried and it's great it's great oh it's great. great it's filled with your favorite thing what's your favorite thing uh can it be cheeseburgers uh, i was hoping you would say a food yeah it, it is cheeseburgers it's made of cheeseburgers oh my gosh that's the, amazing the seats are that's cheeseburgers amazing. the walls are now, cheeseburgers. Do you eat cheeseburgers you you look like you don't eat cheeseburgers well it's very kind of you to say i love a cheeseburger but i might not eat yeah. a bun oh that's good that's good is that okay? No, that's fine. Why is a cheeseburger so good? Why is it so good? I don't know. It's got it. It's got it all, hasn't it? It's just the whole meat thing. Because the reason, if you had said you don't eat cheeseburgers, I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, we're eventually, I mean, eating meat is not good for us. And eventually, it kind of like we don't drink Coke anymore, really, or sodas. Yeah, yeah. But... Eventually, people are going to be like, why have that? I mean, I'm not at that yeah. point yet. Oh, but, when I saw uh, that video of like eight cups of sugar that make go in a yeah. Coke can, I was like, well, we can never have Coke again. But yeah. but isn't no. it the same? It's the same as the American Pie thing. It's like, you're right. I do think in the end, we should all probably be vegans. And at some point, it will happen. And then we'll yeah. look back at this and go, the fuck are we doing eating cheeseburgers? Monsters. And they're going to be able, I don't know, the Impossible Burger. I've had some Impossible Burgers. But, like, they're going to be able to make all this stuff yeah. so it tastes like it. So it's not, we're not going to miss that much. Like, you might have a steak every now and then. I mean, I say all this, but I'm going to eat. I eat. I try to eat meat, like, five times a day. I'm not saying that I'm not going to eat Let's meat. See. But see. I'm saying in the future, people are going to be like, why did you do that? It's like... Uh, yeah. Anyway. And you're going to say it was a different time we didn't know. And they'll be like, you did know. We we'll didn't. Like, oh, yeah, we yeah, did Yeah, it's kind of like the cigarette smoking. People, they yeah. knew back then. They, they're yeah. like, I can't believe breathing smoke into my lungs was bad for me. It's like, how would you not know that? <laughs> right? Oh, you, we didn't know. We thought it was good. We thought the coughing part was sexy. That was the sexy bit. <laughs> All right, you're in heaven. It's made of cheeseburgers. Yeah. There's walking yeah. cheeseburgers like McBurglar, but with the cheesy one. He's walking around. Everyone's yeah. excited to see you. They're a huge fan of you. They want to know about your life, but they want to know about your life through film. 
okay. the first thing they ask you is, what's the first film you remember seeing, Jim Gaffigan? Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Nice. I think it was probably that. With your all your family? Yeah. Yeah. I remember going to this theater and uh, they would show, um, you know, like these kids movies on Saturday. And we went in there and we saw mm-hmm. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And I remember the colors. I remember the car flying. It was pretty, uh, pretty instrumental. Do you remember the absolutely terrifying child catcher? Yeah, I mean, I kind of remember. I remember more the the car flying. That was the whole Dick Van Dyke kind of era. Because yeah. I would watch reruns of Dick Van Dyke, the Dick Van Dyke show, and I don't even remember even liking it. I just watched it. You know what I mean? Like back then, it didn't matter if it was good. I would just watch it. Like that was a big shift for me. Was realizing, and I don't know if this is one of your questions. The first time you saw a bad movie was mm. a big shock. Yeah, like I loved the movie uh, The Bad News Bears. Yeah, like Tatum O'Neill. I was so in love with her, and I was like, "That's a great movie. I love baseball." And Walter Matthau was really funny. Then I saw the Bad News Bears go to Japan. And it was the first time I realized, oh, this is bad. Like, that was a big surprise to me that a movie could be bad. Like, I thought they could only be good. What number are you of your six I'm the youngest. I'm six. Ah, okay. What is the film that scared you the most? Do you like being scared? I mean, I, you know, I'm in my 50s, so I don't know if any, it was this movie Prophecy. Is that with the two big angels in it? No, no, this was, this was in the 70s, and it was uh, 70s or early 80s, and it was a bear, because of a nuclear plant, a bear had been combined with, you know, uh, nuclear waste and had (laughs) become kind of like... A bear and a pig and a human. Like something happened and it was terrorizing everyone. And I lived in kind of this wooded area and I would right. ride my bike home and it was the most terrifying. So weird because I have young, I have nine and nine and 10 year old and they're terrified of everything. Like we forget, like when you're nine or 10, yeah. everything's terrifying. Like if you're like, go in the kitchen and get me this, they're like, no, I'm going to get murdered. Like kids are convinced. <laughs> There's monsters everywhere. Yeah, that's true. And somehow we lose that, I think. Yeah. The bear pig, what was it? Bear pig human prophecy. Yeah. It was a very, it's so silly. But I saw the movie with a friend of mine who I'm still uh, still close with. And every now and then we'll we'll talk about it because it was that upsetting. And I've only, I've seen like clips. He sent me a YouTube trailer and it's just ridiculous. It's it makes yeah. no sense. It wasn't even shot in a forest. It was, It looks like it was a soundstage. It was like pretty That's bad. Great. That's great. Uh, what about crying? What's the film that made you cry the most? Do you cry? Do you cry? I have cried. You know, I always get teary at It's a Wonderful Life. Like mm-hmm. when they come in, when the whole town supports George, uh, you know, because he's been a good guy his whole entire life that's that's something and i've seen that movie a million times that's going to be my answer to a lot of things have people said it's a wonderful life before it's come up but if it's if it means that much you can have it yeah it's it's you know and i have like images of it in my office right here Uh, just because there's something about that movie embodies a um kind of a naive representation of what american life is like i guess do you Mm. mean that like you don't have to be like sam wainwright or old man potter you know which is intellectually we all know that that's the important things are your family and your friends but we never really remember that do we we don't and there is always that thing of i don't know if someone else has said this but like all these Disney films that are always like the message is the dad needs to stop working so hard and be with his family because that's yeah. what matters. And you think this film oh, yeah. was made by people who never went home. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 exactly. Like that Mary Poppins. You know, the yeah. Mary Poppins dad. And then there was like, I think Brian's song was this uh, story of this uh, American football player that yes. got cancer. But 
I barely remember that. And I don't know if that was just a cliche of uh, the only movie a man was allowed to cry at. Because yeah. it was athletes. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, it's so funny because when I see movies with my kids, mm-hmm. my 18-year-old will always sit near me. And like, if there is like a tender moment, she'll be like, you're crying. I know you're crying. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, it's weird. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. What about, what is the film that you love, that is not critically acclaimed. A lot of people hate it, but you love it, and you don't care what anyone says. Well, I don't know if this was critically acclaimed. It might have been, but, like, Robert Duvall did this movie, The Apostle, which, yeah, which I, directed. I think is it's so amazing. Yeah. And uh, it captures a part of the hypocrisy of Christians, but also the humanity of it. Hmm. It it was, it was, it was, I don't know. I I never did a lot of research on what, but it's like, it was, he wrote it, he directed it. And um, it was this great movie that like, I feel like I never really saw a movie like that before. And I thought Farrah Fawcett was so good in it, but I think that probably was critically acclaimed. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't seen um, a lot, for sure. But I think yeah. it's very good, yeah. Yeah. So you've seen every movie ever made. Yes, except for Prophecy. I haven't I haven't seen the Bear Pig Human film, Prophecy. <laughs> and so you, how often do you go to a movie during the week? I mean... Twice? It, it's difficult. It's difficult because we're filming at the moment. But I go as much as I can. And sometimes right. that'll be a morning show. I'll go in the morning or whatever. I went twice last week. And will you? You'll go by yourself. Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, you must. Do, you must do a lot of that when you're touring, do you? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I'm touring, I pretty much wake up and obsess. I use that time because my life is so hectic when I'm home to really obsess on my act and hopefully find a right. bit or two. But yeah, I know a lot of people go and see movies and do things, but. I'm just in decompression mode. It's kind of like when I was, I did this thing where I did Pale Tourist, where I would be in a country for a week and I would write material on it. And I got in this mode where I would do like touristy things. And then the next day I would try and come up with material. And so I wouldn't leave my hotel room. And then that just became the habit. I'm oh, like, wow. I'm not going to leave my hotel room. But to be fair... It shows. It shows in your stuff. Your stuff is fucking really, really, really good. And joke on joke oh, on joke thanks. on joke. So thanks. I guess all the comedians that aren't doing that are just watching films all day, and it shows. <laughs> it's really, you really showed us up. What is a film that you used to love, but you've watched it recently, and you've gone, "Oh no, not for me." Well, I I wouldn't say it's recent that I watched it, but when I was like a teenager, Purple Rain came out. And I remember thinking, that's that's a pretty good movie. Like, that's a very thought-provoking... That's a masterpiece. Um, ...commentary. You know, it has all the elements. It's, and then I saw it later on, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is absolute garbage. <laughs> um, so that was one that I liked, and then I realized was total garbage. Yeah, I think that's the main one. There's there's movies that uh, that don't hold up, and when you have kids, you watch a movie 
oh, you guys are going to love this one. And yeah. either it's like, you know, 16 Candace where they're like drugging a girl <laughs> and or it's just not good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. You're like, ooh, and some of it or just the performances are horrible. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I love acting. So when you see really bad acting, it's it it can take you out of the movie completely. Yeah. This question, what is the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily the film itself is any good, but because the experience you had seeing the film will always make it meaningful to you, Jim Gaffigan. What is it? I mean, uh, this is kind of twisting your question a little bit. Okay. I, you know, I didn't really have confidence around women in my 20s, but in my 30s, as I started to get some confidence... Maybe it was my late 20s when I had this. I asked this really good-looking girl on a date, and we saw... I mean, she was beautiful. And she was in an audience. She laughed at my jokes. And then I asked her out, and we went and saw Beauty and the Beast, the first one. I remember thinking, oh, this movie's garbage. And she loved it, right? And so I was like, this movie's garbage. And so then I saw Beauty and the Beast... When I had, you know, children, like my my 18 year old, she recently had a party. It was supposed to be her 16 year old birthday party, a big kind of like a thing. And she loved Belle and Beauty and the Beast so much that, you know, like she got the yellow Belle dress a bunch. Okay. And so like that dramatic shift of me seeing uh, this same movie and going, this is absolute garbage to like, oh, this is great. Oh my gosh, Mrs. Potts, you know what I mean? Uh, Through my child's eyes. Yeah. Is so fascinating. And then seeing the live action version, which was then I go back to it's all garbage. That's a lovely story. My question is, having gone to see Beauty and the Beast with the beautiful woman and her think it was shit, did that kill it for you? Were you like, I'm not into you anymore? You think it was shit and her think it was good? I think it did. I think yeah. it I think it um I was very much cynical and like my wife was very worried because i was like i'm not watching that harry potter crap like this is before we had kids like i saw star wars i'm like you know you know superhero movies i'm like give me a fucking break you know what i mean it's like i'm not saying that wandavision is not good but it's kind of like you know like i didn't like musicals until i had kids you know like it's like my kids have made me a better person but, like, I'm kind of, like, things that I don't like, I can admit I'm wrong. But, like, there's some movies that, like, just get under my, you know, they're like a thorn. I'm like, mm-hmm. and I'll obsess and I'll I'll try and convince people, like, <laughs> no, this is really not a good movie. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> and, you know, the weird thing is, it's like, I love acting. And I, you know, I'm constantly trying to get roles. So I'm usually like, don't tell the director, but this is what I hated. You know what I mean? It's a horrible thing. But I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one movie that was absolute garbage. I can tell you two. That was absolute garbage. And I'll tell you one. Three Billboards was beyond a doubt one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And I actually enjoy explaining to people why it was bad and people were like but uh, yeah francis mcdormand i'm like why is she dressed in a gas station uniform why is she wearing overalls she works at a gift shop why is she in overalls in every scene why does she work at a gift shop in a town that has two people why (laughs) do you know what i mean it's like why is why is woody harrelson's wife why is, does she have an Australian accent if they're in the middle of Missouri? It's like, why? why? Like, just why upon why upon why upon why? And some of it is, it's a non-American view of what America is like. And so I remember I saw, um, I love Cinema Paradiso. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to an Italian, and they're like, that's ridiculous. That movie's ridiculous. Oh, and I was wow. like, why? It's like, you're not from the 60s or Italy. <laughs> and he goes, but none of that's true. <laughs> but to an American perspective, yeah. I'm like, that's Italy. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, um, 
I don't know. That's my little rant. You used to have a really funny bit about Halle Berry and Monsters Ball. Oh, yeah. No, well, yeah. I mean, it's... (laughs) I also think that there are people... Here's where I'm a snob. I mean, this is... Stand-up comedy is... I mean, the entertainment industry is just... It's a horrifying display of human ineptitude. But stand-up comedy has the remnants of a meritocracy. Yeah. And so I think it's hard for comedians because Halle Berry, by the way, and I and I said Farrah Fawcett, who's one of the more beautiful people that have walked this earth. Halle Berry, one of the more beautiful people. But, like, we have this currency where if someone is attractive, we attribute that as a – it's much more of an American thing. That isn't a skill. That's a skill. So if they're good looking, that's the equivalent of like, well, you're multi-talented. She can act and she's good looking. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, and I'm sure it's just insane. So Halle Berry in Monsters Ball is so, you know, like, I don't, you know, like, it's like, first of all, she had a kid that's fat. It's like, she's never had an ounce of body fat on her entire life. And like, and so she's like the entire time I watched it, I was like, why doesn't she just become a model? She could be the next Halle Berry. Do you know what I mean? It's like, so like, that's where I feel like there is the, I mean, look, we all want, you know, who doesn't want to look at Cameron Diaz? You know what I mean? But there's got to be some middle ground. Like, you know, we're not just these base animals. Like me want pretty look. You know what I mean? It's like, they can be moderately attractive. They can be pleasing to look at. They don't have to be, you know. Do you remember that for a while they tried to convince us that Cindy Crawford was an actor? Do you remember that? She was in a movie. Or yeah, two. she did a film called Fair Game with uh, yeah. Billy Baldwin, where she played a photographer. And, you know, God bless her. Nothing wrong with that. But, like, there's great actors. There's great female actors. I mean, I guess it's just, it's it comes down to commerce, right? Mm-hmm. People like to look at, it's weird like when movies, remember when movies used to, I don't know, I haven't seen a commercial for a movie in a while, but like they used to be like featuring the music of, I'm like, why is yeah. someone going to a movie to hear a song, <laughs> right? Yeah. You want to hear that new Beyonce song? Yeah. Go to a movie and pay 12 bucks. <laughs> why, why don't you just Google it? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what's the film you most relate to, Jim Gaffigan? God, I don't know if I have an answer to that. Most relate to. That's a good question, too. Thanks, man. What's the movie you most relate to? Maybe that'll help me. It was uh, Lady Bird, the film about the young girl growing up in uh, uh, America. Oh, that's interesting. I was like, well, I really get this. I think I'm Lady Bird. Yeah, I mean, I like that whole idea. I mean, Lady Bird is is interesting how her path, like it is amazing that people in the entertainment industry end up in the entertainment. I mean, there's yeah. people that are like, when I was 10 years old, I was in acting classes. There's those people. Yeah. But the rest of us that some of us went to university, some of us didn't. Mm-hmm. But like that we ended up in the entertainment industry is amazing because there's no rules. There's no real apprenticeship program. It really is reliant on persistence and an appetite for eating shit and also getting lucky Mm -hmm. that someone opens a door. You know, like there's so often times in the entertainment industry where I was like, I remember I did a movie. This was back in the 90s. It was like the first movie I did. It's like ridiculously bad. It was in Jamaica. I was in Jamaica for a month. And I came back and I'm like, well, 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 where do I go now? I guess I'm having lunch with Tom Hanks. And I couldn't even get an agent. I was like, but I was in a movie. And they're like, we don't care. And so there's no rules. There's no... There's no rules. I, You know, like in going back... And I don't know your 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 origin story, but like you know, there's there's advice you can get, but some of it is you have to. Like, I wish I would have worked in a casting office because oh, that yeah. would have helped. I wish I would have done that. What just to understand what a fucking absolute lottery is? It's to understand that it's a lottery. To understand preparation. Hmm. You know, working on my own show was so important. 
Because yeah. now I kind of pride myself on being a good soldier when yeah. I'm hired on a project. Because I was an executive producer, I'm like, can I show up? I mean, I was always mm-hmm. showing up and prepared, but now I really understand the value of not being the nightmare yeah. or not being the guy that's like, I want an egg sandwich. And you're like, why do you, you know what I mean? Just do your job. Yeah. And it is fascinating when you see like good people, fun, you know, friends of yours, how they behave in on set. Mm-hmm. And it might not be incredibly caustic or anything like that it's just a little bit like you're not helping the process it always surprises me are there people you're not friends with because of this or that you like less no no there's but there's really talented people that i've worked with where i'm like shocked i'm like holy shit yeah You're, you're doing that and some people are teflon it doesn't really have an impact but some people i'm like I can see why maybe you're not getting these roles. And some of it is, and they're great, they're great actors, but like the neurosis can get in the way. It's insecurity, right? You think? I guess. I guess. I think uh, it's really important to be a good person on set, as in, it's so complicated. The whole thing's such a huge fucking machine. And you are a tiny yeah. cog in it, and you just have to. I mean, there are people I I would be like, I don't want to. I've had the the thing where it's like, this person's amazing. They're a legend. They're a this. They're a that. But they're also a fucking nightmare. It's like, why don't we just won't work with them then? Because there's also people yeah. who are amazing who are not a nightmare. So why don't we just get them yeah. instead? Yeah. And there is like, I I think it's so fascinating that every set is this unique family dynamic. Yeah. And. You, you know, you have to be there for the right reasons. That's why I love indies, because yeah. nobody's there for the money. There's almost a necessity for collaboration because you're figuring it out. You know, and like shows, it's like it, it can be a different dynamic. I've, I mean, I've been on shows where I was not happy, but I was there for the wrong reason. I was like, I'll do this. It won't get picked up. And then I got picked up. You know oh, what I mean? Fuck. Yeah. Oh, that's a nightmare. And so, yeah. And so you got to be really. Fuck. I mean, I do think that like. The whole notion of creative fulfillment is the goal. Mm. You know, when I do comedy specials or I perform in London, which is very exciting and seems, and it's prestigious, it's like, it really is the creative buzz. Yeah. Like, as big as Ted Lasso is and, you know, the, the Emmy and all that stuff, it's like, it's the creative buzz. It's the creative fulfillment that matters more. We'll be Agreed. right back. <laughs> now it's like Jim it's a podcast about movies uh, next question will be interesting with yeah. me the next question is what's the sexiest film you've ever seen given you don't like pretty people being on film <laughs> what's the sexiest film oh I like pretty people I like pretty people yeah I mean sexiest I don't know there's something about uh, Wild Things was with Nev Campbell that was like that'll do it that'll do it right I, I I think that's a perfect perfect answer. Can't right. argue with that. I mean, I remember Halle Berry and was it Bullworth? I mean, yeah, so beautiful. My God, so beautiful. I like that film. And then uh, Emily Rajakowski in uh, Gone Girl. Yeah, hmm. like hmm. that's not hmm. right. It's not. Do right. you know what I mean? Yeah, that's not right. That's too much to take. Yeah, I think some of it is the the fact that these are we don't know these people Mm. and like if we knew them we couldn't sexualize them (laughs) right we would just be like oh that's hallie do you know what i mean (laughs) oh that's oh emily i ate lunch with her you're like if we knew them like have you ever had somebody that like i remember i worked on a show and my brother and the female lead my brother was like she is the cutest prettiest and i'm like yeah yeah you know and I couldn't see it because I was like, yeah, she kind of forces the humor. You know what I mean? It's like she was great. You know what I mean? And he's like, no, but she's the cutest. And I'm like, nah, she's not. She's just a, she's just kind of like, you know. Do you know what I'm saying? It takes yeah. away the mystique. That's very funny. There's a subcategory. Troubling bonus, yeah. worrying wide-ons. Film you found arousing that you weren't sure you should. I mean, there was like... 
not a movie, but Batman. There was when I was a little kid, Batman. Uh, you know that that kapow kind of that show. The sixties Batman. There was, yeah. yeah, like Catwoman had like a younger daughter that was, but she was kind of like instead of Catwoman being all uh, you know in black leather. She was like kind of like uh, in pink, and I was like, I remember like that. Me going, wow, what, why do I like her so much? Do you know what I mean? But that was just uh, as good. a boy. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's okay. But that's kind of like that question is a general entrapment question. It's like correct. Hey, you get Herbert, it. You get it. What's <laughs> what creepy things turn you on? <laughs> It is an entrapment question. <laughs> What's the greatest film ever made? Might not be your favourite, but the pinnacle of cinema. The greatest. Objectively, the greatest. I would probably say Casablanca. Nice. But I think I'm biased. I think I'm biased because I... Did you ever take that screenwriting class with McKee? Where he <laughs> no. breaks down every element? Yeah. He breaks down every element of it. It has all the elements that I love. You know what I mean? It, it absolutely could be the greatest film of all time. Yeah. It's, and it's funny. It's funny. It it's has funny. history. I love history stuff. Right. It, it still remains grounded. Like, I like things that are grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. Like, even some Tarantino stuff, I'm like, can we ground this a little bit more? And that's why, I, as absurd as the story of Apostle is, it was it was kind of grounded. Yeah, it was grounded. Do you know what I mean? And so I would say, um, I don't know. I think It's a Wonderful Life is pretty amazing, too. Mm -hmm. I think the reason that holds up is it has a lot of humor. It has, I mean, Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. I mean, she's beautiful, too. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. What's the film you could or have watched the most over and over again? I've watched watched, uh, It's a Wonderful Life many times. So in the U.S., It's a Wonderful Life used to be played all during Christmas season. And then they raised the price. And so then they switched to a Christmas story was played. So I've I've ended up seeing that many times. And again, reaching the point where he runs in. I did an episode of my TV show that was kind of like It's a Wonderful Life, too. But it really kind of, you know... The right priorities are the right, always the right choice. Do you know what I mean? Like this guy wants to see the world, and he gets trapped by his family. <laughs> <laughs> but he's happier. But you know, like if that was done in real life, he'd really resent those kids. He'd be like, "These kids, I wanted to yeah. work on a steamship, yeah. but no, I'm just in this." small town in new york he would have ended up like old man potter how about this old man potter is the grandfather of drew barrymore isn't that weird oh i thought you were about to pitch me an old man potter movie and i was gonna say yeah finally old man potter gets his fucking story told yeah well we know it would just be like his backstory would be screwed right yeah it would just be like he was nice. He got his heart broken, and he went into money. Yeah, you know what I mean. And you know, he never even needed to be in that wheelchair. He was just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't love being negative, but you don't mind it. What's the yeah. worst film you've ever seen? It's weird. It's context, right? Yes. It's when you see it. So, like, even in defense of Three Billboards. Maybe if I saw it in a theater, maybe if I saw it before I heard the hype. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, it's weird because something, you know, we know that like some movies can be so bad that they end up being good, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, like Roadhouse. Supposedly they're doing Roadhouse again. Oh, really? Yeah. It's weird because we also know that it is so hard to do something good. It's so hard. It's so hard. And it's, there's a level of focus that is necessary, and it still might not guarantee that it's good. I'm always shocked whenever I have, whenever I work on a movie, there's always a moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the amount of focus that is necessary 
in acting. Mm. Like you have a choice. You have to listen. You're listening you know, to how the scene's going, you know, what's going on with other people. And then someone comes up and they do this and they're like, da, da, da. And then you hear someone tell a story and someone's like, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And then they're like, shoot. And you're like, but I, <laughs> so like the focus, I was working on this and that's where somebody, like I worked with Viola Davis on Troop Zero. Wow. And it was, that was so amazing. The level of focus. Cause we were in New Orleans, we were outside. It was really hot, like uncomfortably hot. We're both sweating, and her amount of focus was was breathtaking. I was like, "Oh my god!" What was she doing? Was she was she like just quiet between takes, or was she like how how did that? She was perfectly agreeable. She would, you know, she might look at her phone. She might, but the focus in the scene was pretty hmm. pretty tremendous. It's weird because I think in comedy, if you overfocus it can deter some of the humor. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think the looseness of the moment, obviously it's different with different uh, beats or, you know, the character you're playing, but like the looseness can make it funnier, right? Yeah. The less you're forcing it. I think that's important. You know what I mean? I was going to, you know what I find fascinating? I don't know if I brought this up to you when we hung out that one night. And I don't know if this is necessarily true because because things shift, but I, you know, and I, uh, and by the way, I'm plugging my London date again, but I do think that the Brits, and maybe this is just from an American perspective, you Brits love Americans that are angry, Bill Hicks, Bill Burr, Dennis Leary, or absurdists. So Dimitri Martin, you know, Hannibal, and you love the super smart I remember I did a show in London at a pub and I went out after a guy who did probably five jokes about chess. And I remember thinking, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So like there is something about, so funny. and I think, you know, I make fun of Seinfeld. I, I tell Jerry, I'm like, you know, we're observational guys. He goes, what does that mean? What does that mean? I'm like, but he is an observational comedian. I'm an yeah. observational comedian. But I do think that, like, you Brits love, you love an American with anger because, I don't know, you know, it's just kind of like, look at these emotions pouring out of this guy. Like, That's it's interesting. Is it, I mean, I, I can't say you're correct, as in this generalization is completely true, because I don't know if I've seen enough to, as in, I haven't. I haven't studied the stats that way, but if it is yeah. true, I love that theory that it's because we're not used to seeing emotions and we're like, wow. <laughs> wow. No, well, I'm, obviously I'm exaggerating that. No, no, but no, like, but I, I think there may be something in it. That's very funny. There is something about a cultural dynamic. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. the best audiences are probably Canadians because the Canadians are probably a combination of yeah. Americans and Brits. Yeah. You know. How interesting. Hang on. What's the film that made you laugh the most? Uh, Airplane. And again, I was probably a, a, you know, a teenager, but the efficiency and consistency of the laughs was really... I don't generally like comedies. I like performing it. Like, if I see, like, a Will Ferrell or an Adam Sandler movie, I'll be like, I'm like, those guys had a blast doing this. Yeah. I don't want to see it. Do you know what I mean? I love Will Ferrell. I love Adam Sandler. I'd rather see Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems than yeah. in uh, a silly comedy. And it's weird because when you have kids, again, it's like with each of my kids, I take them on these daddy and me trips when they turn 10. And I was with my son and I had some shows in Alaska and I brought wow. him and I was like, all right, you know, whatever you want to watch. Well, and he goes, Sandler and... And Chris Rock and Kevin James, they did these movies and uh, where there were like buddy. The, oh, it was the grown-ups. Like grown-ups. 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 And he's like, I want to watch grown-ups too. And I'm like, all right. And so, <laughs> you know, because he was 10. Yeah. And I watched it and I know all those guys are way funnier than that movie. Mm. You know, but 
he loved it. And I did look at it and I was like, they probably had a blast doing that. But I'm trying to think of, uh, you know who I, like Peter Sellers makes me laugh. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like being there, that was really funny. But I don't know. Maybe it's just, you know, <laughs> it's like I'm just a, such a sourpuss. It's like a lot of these comedies, I'm kind of like, I get it. Like, I love Will Ferrell, and he's funny. But like, yeah, I mean, I guess Anchorman was funny. You know what I mean? What's your favorite comedy? <laughs> Are you just laughing at me? Because I'm so... Yeah, because you're a real sourpuss. Yeah. What's my favorite comedy? I can't answer that question, and I would never do this podcast. So you can't ask me, because yeah. I, w- I wouldn't okay. go on this podcast. These are insane questions to ask anyway. Yeah, they are a heart. Look, Jim Gaffigan, you've been amazing as expected. And, and we've gone way over time, and I really appreciate you giving me all this time. However, when you were on a plane, you were flying on a plane, and yeah. one person didn't have their seatbelt on, and another person had an electronics open, and another person had put their phone on focus instead of airplane mode and it was a perfect storm of those three things happening at once and the plane just exploded exploded yeah you were dead instantly went straight to cheeseburger heaven i was walking along with my coffin you know what i'm like and i see this explosion i was like what's that and then you're (laughs) my head would land first because it was heaviest Yeah. yeah your head landed bits of you yeah i'm like what an absolute mess so i start yeah. cleaning it up you've landed on a on a little kid as well. i'm so sorry i'll get that off the kid yeah I get all the bits of you i can there's bits of um engine attached to your forehead all sorts anyway stuff you in the coffin i do what i can but it's absolutely random yeah. there there's only enough room in this coffin for me to slide one DVD into the side with you. Yes. When you go to the other side, it's movie night every night, and one night it's your movie night. What film are you taking to show The Cheeseburgers of Heaven when you get there, Mr. Jim Gaffigan? I think it's It's a Wonderful Life. It's got to be It's a Wonderful Life. Great choice. Jim Gaffigan, is there anything you would like to tell people to watch, listen to, look out for, or follow you? I think they should watch that Netflix show, Occupied. Did you watch that? No, it's, this is for you. For you. Are you no, that, about me? Oh, but we could watch Occupied as well. Yeah. Oh, I would say, I mean, I would love it if they would watch American Dreamer, which is on Amazon Prime. It's this indie I did that people love, but like some critics really had mixed reviews. So that's that's an interesting right. thing is... Like there's uh, most of the stuff I do uh, movie wise, I'll be like, I'll see it and I'll be like, yeah, but I thought American Dreamer was really good. And then we got a bad review from the New York Times and I was like, what the, and it was just like, so I don't know if it's fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, Mm. but it's good. So like everyone that watches it is like, wow, that's really good. Okay. But I don't know. So uh, I don't know if I'm answering the question right. And then I'm going to be in London, so maybe yes. they can come and see me. What I are your London shows dates? On a Sunday. Uh, it's Sunday in November. Sunday in November, okay. It's so um, hard to get a date, right? Yeah, it's all those angry comics <laughs> taking up all this space. Yeah. Jim Gaffigan, you are a delight. And I'm very grateful Thanks. for you doing this. And I have loved hanging out with you. And I hope it hasn't been uh, too long for the rest of your no, life. No, it's been great. Thank you so much. Good day to you. So that was episode 204. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 20 minutes of chat, secrets and video, uncut and ad-free with Jim. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, but write about the film that means the most to you and why. It's a very nice thing to read. My neighbour Maureen loves it. They always make her cry. She's always banging on about it. And we really like it. Thank you. Thank you so much to Jim for giving me all his time. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to ACAST for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come and join me next week, where it is just about time to release the amazing Jessica Nappett live episode at last. You will love it. So that is it for now. I hope you are all well. And in the meantime, have a lovely week. And please, now more than ever, be excellent to each other.
sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.